0: Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron.
1: Second Timothy chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Paul the Apostle's giving a charge. It is actually Paul's last writing that we know of during his life to anyone. The second epistle to Timothy, this is a letter to one of his sons in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. He said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. "...with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. But watch in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make foolproof the ministry." Paul said to him, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. He starts this first verse out with a charge to Timothy. This is not an option. This is not a suggestion. This is a charge to the young preacher who's establishing a new church. And he's charging him. How many of you know that we can still do it the Bible way? How many knows that we can still do this the Bible's way? That if we build converts, or we try to build churches, or we try to do the work of the ministry a way other than the way of Jesus Christ, a way other than the Word of God. And, and this is really upon me. Uh, this morning, I just want to say this, and my wife really confirmed, I was in the prayer room early, but then felt just I need to go back to the prayer room, so I opened this very text of Scripture, I laid it on the floor, on my knees with my head bowed to the scriptures. I just laid there for a moment. And and I want to share this with you. I know since I've been here in two years, I've not shared a great deal like this. But I want to share something with you, and I want to ask you to do something. And for those who hear the radio broadcast, if you're a praying person of faith, and last week uh, we began to share on the, the prayers that God would not hear and the prayers that God does hear and why... It, It's important that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why there's strength at God's throne for those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and have a word and a testimony of Christ. If you're a praying person, would you pray for our country? This morning as I'm on my knees, I want to share with you openly, honestly, that for the last two weeks, I have really carried a burden that I was unaware of. And this, if you ever start to carry a burden for something other than your life, you will notice that it just seems to be a little heavy. And as I was on my knees, on my face, before God this morning, as I got up, my wife, who's gentle and rarely says anything, just confirmed in prayer that I needed to share with you Uh, what was going on. There is trouble coming at America. May I please warn you of that first church. I'm not saying this to put you in fear. I'm asking you to pray because the day there's going to be a day we wake up that's coming that makes Pearl Harbor look like a, a very small situation in comparison. And listen, we need to approach with the reverence I taught last week before a reverence to God who is able to establish kingdoms Himself. He's able to stop He in more times than not throughout scriptures, listen, men were going to die and a praying prophet would come and God extend the life. He was going to at one time destroy a nation that Moses was dealing with and Moses could pray and change the mind of God at times. There matters when we pray. And when I say pray, it's not a drive-by prayer out of our window, but the kind of prayer that says, God, we have a country that's been built upon promises and the freedom that we could worship you in spirit and truth and this is the way I came to the gospel of Christ. And I want to at least not be a coward in this generation, but be enough of a man of God in the pulpit to say openly to all men everywhere, we should humble ourselves and ask God that He may intervene because we have enemies around the world that are after one thing, not just America, but Christianity itself. You don't see them disputing every other religion. Why? Because Jesus Christ was is and forever will be the light of the whole world. He's the light of the temple. He's the light of eternity. No one will ever change that. And may He be the light of our own conscience as we go into the prayer room. I hope that God will wake all of us up in the nights. And while you're there honoring God as He trusts us with His burden. Why would the Holy Spirit lay a burden upon us? Why would God trust us enough to tell us what He hurts for? How many times when we go to prayer, we ask God for what we want, and we know He cares for what we need. But it's only His closest friends that He can share a burden that He has, maybe for our own lives, for our own country. He said, should I hide from the thing, the thing I'm about to do in Sodom and Gomorrah? Should I hide this from Abraham? Seeing that Abraham is my friend, can we be called the friend of God today? That God would say to each of us, can I really allow this to happen without them knowing first what's about to happen? Amen. I've been on getting so excited, but I always get excited about it. Passion's not born out of intellect. Passion's born out of quietness in prayer. It's born in times like Elijah hides in a cave, thinking his life's finished. And maybe you're here today, and for different reasons, you're not sure if maybe God's done with you. And you need to get in that quiet place of the cave. And he was... he. The Bible talks about melancholy. There can be a depression that comes upon even the saints and those that have done great things in and with and for God. And it takes them to such a low level. And what happens is all the dry rains and all the manifestations of, of the world are not enough to move them, but there's a still small voice, the Holy Spirit, that's able to get into the crack and the crevice of the heart of the saint. And this is what begins to energize and give new life and new strength. Amen. But this charge is made to Timothy. I charge you, Paul says. And he does it before who? Before God. I charge you, Timothy, before God. Don't overlook that. How would you like it if Paul the Apostle stood before each one of us today and give us individually a charge, but then said, I'm going to charge you before God. Mm, changes it, doesn't it? It's one thing for a friend to give you a charge. It's another thing for a friend like Paul the Apostle to give Timothy a charge before God. Now, could you give every charge and every statement that you make to people? Could you do it in God's presence? Would you do it in God's presence? There are many things we say that makes you wonder, could I say this with God standing right next to me? Could I say what I just said to you with God right? absolutely 100% on my face this morning, realizing, amen. So if he's going to do it before God, he says, And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, he tells him to preach the word in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, with all long-suffering and doctrine. Here's what I'm after. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. If you've been in the church long, you've heard this verse. What does this mean? Paul's making Timothy known there's coming a day, there's coming a time that it'll just be an itching ear type want from the people. They, that is a multitude, wants you to, go ahead and just bring an itching ear. And can I, can I tell you my burden and share it with you today? Can I share with you what has been the greatest burden in two years of pastoring a church? It's been the outward pressures on the way that we should, supposedly should preach. And, and at times, I, I would go home and wrestle in the prayer closet and say, God, you know, and it's always a, a word like, Pastor, we need this to be Practical. And I understand that because in my own life, so many times that I think of moments when the Word of God just, I needed the Word of God to speak to me so I could be a a more effective minister, maybe an area I should go, a uh, a more humble husband, loving my wife more, putting her first, willing to die for her. I mean, willing to be a leader of the home in a way that is by example, because if I'm no good there, I'm really no good here, and the Scripture tells us that. But I really wrestled with like, man, how do I take all that I have just chewed upon and make it kind of this practical thing that I get so much pressure for? God, I mean... What's going on? Because I do want to help. I want you to be able to go home, be better husbands, better wives, better, better at your job. I want you to know that you're better and all these things. But somehow it's like, we don't want this aggressive preaching, this, you know, old style. I don't know if it's old style. I love the Bible. I mean, I mean, I have here today a teacher that literally gave me my first Bible. My first it was a child'-sized Bible, and my wife and I went to the hills of Tennessee to a bishop's conference to preach, by invitation, and a lady who owned a bookstore said, "I was nervous as ever when you walked down the aisle with a child 's Bible." She said, "But I found out you read it." I didn't know I had a child's Bible. I hope I have a child's faith. And I'd get on airplanes for some years there to travel with some friends off the East Coast. And I also had by the same teacher a concordance that I didn't have a clue of what it was when she bought it for me. June of 1990 was good. Today, it still sits most days beside my chair and the pages are coming off of it. It's in a shamble. Listen, this is how we sow into somebody's life. And I'm asking again, where do we bear this burden in prayer? What, I mean, what does this look like for your life? And where's God using you like this? I know that He wants to. I'm not just discouraging you, I'm saying, man, what are you, when's the last Bible you bought today? You have a chance to buy one. This makes a real difference. And listen, he said to Timothy, Timothy, there's going to be a day. The crowd just want, they just want to get a heaped up teachers just itching their ears. And man, we have the Bible written in so many different ways to try to get someone to understand it. Can I share a little something with you? It's hid from the eyes of the wise and prudent will only be understood by those who have confessed Christ, made new. Listen, you can write it in a hundred different ways that you want, and as simple as, you could call it anything, but until you have the Spirit of God alive and well in you, you will not understand the Scriptures. It's not an issue of intellect. But Paul here says, there's coming a day, they're going to heap to themselves teachers having an itching ear. What does that sound like or look like? I think it, as a pastor after two years, I think it sounds and looks like what I hear. Hey, can't you back that off? You're too... Le- no, I really can't back anything off. What, what, I don't come with an intellect. I didn't try to get three points in a poem and all that. I try to go to prayer, let the Spirit of God get something in the heart you can bathe yourself with, and then preach it from the pulpit. Doesn't the truth of the Word of God make us free? And isn't it the truth of the word that really does do all the practical things in my life? Because after all, you can modify, you can send to rehabilitation. I worked a majority of my life in the very rough areas where they would rehabilitate. Oh, that's rehabbing you. It'll give you a new habit, but not a new heart. Can I ask you, do you you sometimes long for just a kind of itching, like, can you just scratch my ear? I don't, I mean, I don't have any of you literally saying, would you scratch my ear? But I have Molly and Pedro at home, and they like it when I scratch their ear. I know that. They do. They really do. And they'll kick their leg... True love rejoices not in iniquity, but in the truth. True love doesn't rejoice, doesn't think dirty jokes are funny. True love doesn't think any of that. I won't even start listing stuff. It's it's not something you laugh at if you really love truth. If you know that kind of thing will destroy. And as a pastor, I'm just saying this morning, I want us to feel the gravity and the burden of what, what God may be trying to warn us of. And, and in light of danger in a country, um, if if that were, God forbid, I believe that we could pray, God, would you please let us have peace with all men? Would you please... I mean, God, we want you to be our covering not only as a nation, but as a church and as families. We want to serve you and have a heritage in you. We want our generations behind us talking about your goodness and your greatness and the years where you shared it with us and it changed the whole course. This has happened before. This is not the first time for God to have to wake up a generation, but we don't need a revival. We need an awakening because there's a sleepy thing going on in America and nobody that's asleep likes to be woke up. And so I understand now why This morning, God said, "Tell them I didn't send you to itch anybody's ear." You see, America, you don't need your ear itched anymore. You've had your ear itched. This isn't Doctor Phil. I mean, we don't want to make you feel good about this. And the countries utterly went against the Bible. They've, we've had leaders literally put their hand on the Bible and an oath to heaven, asking God at the end of an oath, "So help me God." Yet we've ended up betraying all that we put our left hand on as we raised our right hand as leaders. God, I pray for this government and for the leaders of our country and whatever that may take. I pray for a humility and the burden to wake me up in the night. But we cannot, God, we cannot lay one hand on the Bible that declares all truth and then betray it with legislative laws in a country and then ask for God's grace... And God's mercy. He told Isaiah, you tell them. I read it to you last week. I will not hear them when their calamity comes. This is the Bible. When I think back about Noah, nobody believed what he was preaching until the flood. He's listed in the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, was moved with fear, not faith. He prepared an ark to the saving of his own house, thereby condemned the world. God used one man and eight that were saved to condemn as a standard for the whole world. It looks darkly different than some kind of practical preaching or whatever. I move forward, I think of Moses. Was he a practical preacher? I mean, didn't they want to itch ears? After all, they were melting their rings and all their jewelry and worship and idolatrous stuff. He comes off the mountain and it's a mess. He wasn't a practical preacher. He said, you have to do this or if you get in the presence of God, you're going to die. Abraham, was he practical? He left, went into a country, sojourned, left a country and here he goes, don't know where he's going. Is that practical? No. Was it practical when he holds his son up Mount Moriah? Where God? Why does God stop the arm of destruction and death at Moriah, but doesn't stop it at the cross? Because He's the eternal propitiation. He's the sacrifice for all mankind. He stopped the arm of Abraham so He could show him a ram caught in the thicket. Was that practical? As I think about prophets like Jeremiah who wept over a country and over a people who had went against God, was he practical? Did he do ten steps on how to get rich? Three ways to have a great marriage? Or did they say, come unto God, set your face, set yourself to pray and make a vow to God. Did Isaiah, was he practical? They cut him in half. When Hebrews says that they were, they were sawn asunder in half, they were stone. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were tormented, destitute, and afflicted. And then in parentheses, it says, but the world wasn't worthy of them. Was he practical? Did he have like this feel-good message for everybody? You know what I mean? Church, I know this morning I'm worked up. I'm, I'm worked up because of a prayer room that warns me, go tell the people. Go tell the people, America, America, church. The church in America is the influence. The hope is not the politics of this country. The hope this country has for a future is based upon Jesus Christ and those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who cry day and night before God because God is true and everlasting and He's all-sufficient and able. Was the Apostle Paul practical? Caused trouble in every town. Got thrown in jail. Stoned. And not the kind of stone you're thinking of out there in the audience. He got rocks thrown at him. They left him for dead. And what did he do in the next town? Preached again. Went straight to the synagogue and preached. Looks darkly different than a group that may want some just tickling ear preaching. You say, oh, preacher, and I've been battling with this. What's happened from the years of 1950? And Billy Graham tells Truman, stand against ideology that's against what we believe. We'll be praying for you and all the men and women that go to war. What's happened to the preachers of the pulpit where we declare and say, This is wrong? Because we want to be politically correct or whatever, and you've got to itch the ear of everybody. Try to get a crowd, and pretty soon we've approved ourselves because we have a multitude. No. There's somebody who's heard the truth of the Word of God preached, and when they respond to it, God, that's His church. This is those that He washed Him in His blood, made them white like new, and clothed them with the garments of salvation. This is the one why Isaiah could say, Come, let us reason together, and though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white like snow. This is salvation. This isn't like, well, if you come get these programs, then you can build the church. That's not how you build the church of Jesus. It can be a byproduct, just not the prime product. And then you notice here, I'm going to find my Bible. The problem if, if, if a country and groups of people heap to themselves teachers and only want their ears itched, verse 4, then they will turn their ears away from the truth. The real problem isn't getting your ear tickled. It's that it will turn you from truth. And if I wanted to poison an animal, I would do it with something that tastes good. I would deliver the poison in something that was sweet. He said, they'll turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned to fables. Just some fiction. But watch in all things and endure affliction. Affliction? What? Endure affliction? Affliction? This also looks drastically different the New Testament. The DNA of the New Testament church is da- drastically different than what we're seeing. The kind of affliction that comes because you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, that's very different. See, what Timothy, Timothy died to death because he told a group of people, you shouldn't worship the goddess Diana, you shouldn't do this. We just read last week John the Baptist was beheaded because he told Herod not to marry his brother's wife Herodias and you're committing adultery. And you have Paul the Apostle who later appeals to the Caesar of Rome and was also beheaded at the end of his life and yet he wrote the last book to the last church at Philippi and over 12 times says a very wonderful thing. His fragrance was never like you didn't have hope or there's no. So wherever you are, maybe you hear this and you say, what does this mean, preacher? I, 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 really, I really want to take the litmus test today of your what's a hunger you have for the word of God? Really? Really? I mean, honestly, humbly, I'm not trying to just do this with you and how much you read the Bible and pray. I'm not doing that. But I am asking is there a legitimate hunger for truth? Do you believe that in your present situation you could seek out the word of God in truth, find it and begin to pray because the word of God says it and you build all your faith and affections upon the truth of the word of God and it's enough to keep you in seasons that are very dry and you can endure affliction? Are you being afflicted? Are you believing for things that look impossible? Because if we're not believing for things and praying for things that look impossible to the world, then we're only trying to produce what we can and call it the Holy Ghost at the end of the day. But most of the time when you see these great men and women begin to declare truth, and the word of God written, they were declaring something that would look absolutely like it could never be done by humanity. And so either we're praying some things that look impossible and maybe you give up in the place of prayer over somebody or a situation even in your own life and God needs to remind you of what the truth is. I know I need to be reminded today, okay church? I need to be reminded to search out in the affliction to not talk and communicate with others about what your needs are and all of these things that may plague us and get most of our time and the business of the world and men trying to be men that just get a lot of money and do all these things well. At the end of the day we sell our families and everything else short in the church itself and then we don't see the power of God moving because we didn't seek first the kingdom of God I'm just going to bring us back to the. I want to preach today like it's my last time I'll be in this pulpit like this is it the next time I'd see you would be in eternity that Jesus Christ would stand I would be there because I was your pastor at one time and preached the word of God to you and you heard it in such a way you're made new by the blood of the lamb otherwise I've just man but can we heap to ourselves teachers have an itching ear like, man, I just wish it was more googly for me. I wish it was just neater, nice. I mean, so can we preach truth and it still be practical? Yes. You know how? The Holy Spirit will actually convict. When we read the Word of God and know what it says and we do something contrary, you won't have God's peace. You won't have God's joy. The Spirit of God's not cheap. He actually only signatures to set you free when you align yourself with the blood and the word. That's it. And nothing ignites the church more than after the church has prayed in secret and God did the things that no one could do other than God. Like saints be born again in the church. I mean, all these gimmicks of... Trying, are you kidding me? Like give 300 of Sunday school and all... I'll preach from the roof. I'll eat a bird. I'll what? It, what? You don't see any of that in here. It said they've seen their dead raised to life again. That's what the book says. If your doctrine don't fit it, your doctrine's messed up. we got these fights going on between Baptists and Pentecostals. Forget it. We need Jesus. We need the name of Jesus to be so lifted up. It wears me out. Are you What are you? Um, I'm, the, I'm, ca- I'm Catholic, I'm Pentecost. I'm fr- man, I'm, I just want to know some believers. What's a believer? They believe the word? They believe Jesus. What happens if we actually start believing? A believer believes, right? You imagine if we start believing? I mean, in a new, fresh way. I'm I'm being serious. I'm going to play on words. You notice there's been an emphasis for prayer for weeks, right? The most undone thing in America is prayer. Undone. More tapes, more books, more preaching, more fancy, more everything, more programs, more big church, more any kind of church. Church is like a drive through. Hey, where do you want to eat when we get in town, kids? I want to go to McDonald's. I want to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I want to eat pizza. Well, there's a church to fit every need. You can eat pizza. You can eat McDonald's. You, you can get it. I'm not talking about that. I mean, a place where you go and God dwells among you. You know, you're the habitation for God. You're actually God's garden. That's why the song of Solomon wrote and said, You're a garden enclosed, my sister, my spouse. You're a spring that shut up and every season of your life brings out the graces of God. This is why the saint can be covered in the troubles of life and the grace of God be exercised in their life to have a fragrance that's even more humbling and more sufficient than it ever was. What the concept of God coming among us, is that ever... You see, and I'm ending here, I'm closing... Moses went to the mountain for one reason. God said, if you do build on the earth what you saw in the heavens, I want to come live with you. God said He wanted to come and He'd dwell in a tabernacle in a tent until Christ. And at the day that Christ hung on the cross and the three days of the tomb, what you had was mercy, painting herself up, getting pretty, ready to be let loose on all of humanity. And you had Jesus Christ at death and in His burial, and she's over there been hid behind the veil at the mercy seat for her whole life. And the only time she got to meet with a priest... But do you realize that Jesus Christ, when He got up from the dead, that mercy was the prettiest thing you'd ever see to come from God and get to your life? And she dressed herself up the way my wife used to dress up and I couldn't wait to pick her up and go on a date together, that God wanted to let mercy loose on your life in a way that no one would ever stop it. And when Jesus got up from the grave and Mary Magdalene was there, and she said, I thought you was the gardener, He is the gardener. He redeemed everything that the garden brought a curse for, and He went to a place, buried in a garden he's not only the gardener but you're the garden of God what is our smell and can God dwell among us I've been to enough funerals talking about us coming to the garden I want to know the garden God comes among and mercy got herself free and the Bible says that the veil was rent, tore from the top to the bottom not bottom to top top to the bottom And when mercy got out, she was going to flood humanity with the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And no matter where you would go, the Holy Spirit could hover himself and find you in your situation and allow you to put faith where you've had fear. Man, this is the gospel. And then God comes into meetings where we've done these things and we've, we've prayed and we've prayed in secret and we've actually repented of our sin and we said no to some things and, and we love truth and not iniquity. See, if you still, if you profess to love Christ and He can't control you like a slave, then He don't own you. Whoa, that's like, we said, uh-oh, I thought everyone saved was just on the Baptist membership. That's how we treat it. You better Be careful. everyone's going I pray at the end of the service Though if you say I have just been a church member I've been a church member and thought that was my salvation really you won't find Jesus making decisions no you out he'll tell Nicodemus you better be born again born again you turned upside down new creature the Bible said any One in Christ is a new creation, brand new. I think this is elementary. We need to hear it. When you came to Christ or profess Christ or you believe in God, whatever your language has been, did it change you? if you still do the same things that you did when you were unsaved and there's no power over it, the the same devil that deceived and drew you a direction, I'm telling you, God wants to own you and change your life and absolutely lead you in a path of righteousness for His namesake. He wants to bring you forward by mercy and grace so He can glorify Himself for all of eternity that He brought you out of darkness and into light. He don't want you just to have your ears tickled. He wants you to walk in the light of the gospel of God so you're never happy unless you're right beside your Savior. Man God's used a sinner's prayer many times. You won't find it in the Bible. Never believe you're saved till God's signatures by the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Never believe you're saved until He lets you know you're saved. And I'm not suggesting that you have to work for your salvation, no way. but salvation's clear. Look at the New Testament. They went everywhere. Peter gets in jail, the whole church prays and boom, the jails broke open. How would the church react if their pastors put in jail? Most of them say, "Well, how long will it take us to get a new one?" Or would they pray just like that the DNA in the book of Acts shows us about the church of Jesus? Would they pray in such a way and it would multiply? And every time the church is persecuted, we don't just lay back and go, oh, boy, I hope the next election goes right. Well, if this next election doesn't work, we're out of of hope. Because we placed our only hope in that stuff. Our hope is Jesus. His hope is that someone hears him. He said, if my people, God said, if his people, not his people, who are called by his name, humble themselves and pray, Let's keep going, church. Come on now. Turn from their wicked way. Then what? Then he will heal their land. And then he said something else. And then will I hear from heaven. How how does God hear from heaven? Heaven has a way of getting into the saint. And when that saint lays before God, he utters back what he heard in heaven. If you lay before the Lord, been baptized, saved—I mean, born again—and you get close to the Lord, and He whispers in your ear. You'll be praying the same thing back to Him that He said to you. There's no question. That little child, even my little Isaiah, he still says what Daddy says. That's why Jesus, when He came to the earth, He said, "I come to do My Father's will. I didn't come to do my own. I come to show you the example how a Father treats a son. You fathers treat your son. I do everything My Father does. I says what I, I say what He says. Are you with me? He give us the pattern. Are we crying back what God said to us, and when we're in our greatest affliction of life, are we hearing by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, what it is that God wants to speak to us and we get on our knees? are we saying, God, you said in the first, first Kings chapter four, "It shall be well. It shall be well. It shall be well." Julie and I lived on that in a season of our life. I am quitting. I'll try to you. And it was wonderful to get up in the mornings and know that the word of God had been delivered to us and that we could just stay with that. And everyone would say, how's it going? I said, it shall be well. That wasn't a fancy cliche. That's something we believe in the Lord. How is it going? It shall be well. What would you say? It don't look well. Like could say it don't look well for you. No, it shall be well. I'm putting my faith in something God said. I'm crying back to God what he said to me. I, I believe him. I'm going to do what my father does. I'm going to say what he says to me. Amen. Let's have an offering with an invitation. You want to? Let's do them together. Would you please stand to your feet, and the worshipers would come. I know that's going to seem a little indifferent, but I I believe there's some hearts challenged. Amen. If you're given to the Gideons, make sure it's marked. Amen. Otherwise... If you're here and you say, "Man, I'm not born again. I'm going to come to Christ today." Then it's that simple. I invite you. If if you come and you realize and you agree with what's been preached and and you believe that there's a heap people heaping themselves teachers, having an itch in ear, then you can come and say yes to God. That's between you and him.
0: Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at rivertonfbc.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 945 a.m. with worship services at 1045 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 8.30 for another exciting message from God's word. Have a great week and God bless.